take a moment, say hello to your neighbor, welcome them here this morning. Because of your love 
give them a hand. We're so thankful for our worship team this morning leading us. We're thankful that you're here this morning at Crossroads. Welcome to Crossroads. We're glad you're here today. Uh, would you please take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle at this time? This helps us to better minister to you and your family. Um, just a few announcements this morning. Number one, in our, uh, in our foyer off to the right, as you exit the door back to the right, there's a table for our 2016 giving envelopes. If you've not yet picked up your giving envelopes, please pick them up out there. And uh, if you'd say, there's none there with my name on it, but I'd like to have a set, put your name in the box out there, and they will be sure to get you a set this, this coming week here. So we're thankful that you're here. We appreciate all that you do to, to give, to support the church, and, and a faithful obedience to the Lord. And so those giving envelopes are out there. Uh, this Wednesday starts up our Canopy Kids again on, uh, on Wednesday nights, Clubhouse. Put the word out. Children from uh, infants through fifth grade meet downstairs. That's Canopy Kids. They have a great time, and uh, there's all kind of exciting things. That begins at 6.30. And then if you'll, uh, you'll go over to the middle school, over at the, uh, the teenage group, over at Connect Students at Straight Street. That's 6th grade through 12th grades. And then we have our Wednesday evening groups that resume up here at the church. We have several groups that are happening for adults up here on, on Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Uh, there's a men's group that's led by Chuck Green, fantastic Bible teacher. You'll want to jump in there, men, and hear what, uh, what's going on in that group. Uh, there's a women's Bible study. Kelly Corey, fantastic Bible teacher in the uh, women's Bible study. And then we have a, another group called Financial Peace University. This, will be, uh, this is a, a Dave Ramsey course. This will be led by Audie Eddy. And we encourage you to come and check that out. Uh, that will meet on Wednesday nights. It's starting this Wednesday. The first Wednesday is a preview course for that. And then the, then the course goes ahead and, and launches off from there. Uh, you can look up Audie's information in the bulletin, track him down, and, uh, and find out more. But uh, I'm telling you that I've heard many people have gone through this course. They love it. And what a great thing for this time of year, Financial Peace University. So we have those three. And then we also have starting points. Now, if you've never been in a group, you say, well, I'm new to, new to smaller groups and things like that. That is a great place to start. Starting point, led by Rick Corey. Fantastic. That will all be meeting this Wednesday. So we're excited about what God has been doing in the church um, and, and through, through the ministries. And we're, we're excited to gear those Wednesday nights back up. Friday night, Celebrate Recovery is continuing to meet. I'm hearing God doing some great things in people's lives on Friday night as well. And uh, we, we just want to give you an opportunity to, to meet other people and to continue to uh, develop your relationship with Christ. This Wednesday, we'll also be having our, our Wednesday night dinner. The first of the month, first Wednesday of the month, we have a dinner. And, uh, and this, this Wednesday will be our first Wednesday of the month. So uh, if that's you, if you say, I'd like to come, that's at 5.30 to come for dinner in the gym. That'll go from 5.30 to 6.30, and then all the action starts at 6.30. If that's you and you'd like to come, please sign up at the Information Center or go on our website. There's a link on our website to sign up for the Wednesday night dinner. Uh, if we just have a bucket, you put in a donation, and it helps to cover the meal. So we're excited about these things. And then our birthday gift to Jesus. We're, we, uh, I'm just really excited here. Look at that. 75000 and so far we, we've come about, uh, I think, over three-quarters of the way to $58,000. Let's give our God a hand for what he's done so far. $58,000, and uh, I'm praying that God will take us over the goal this weekend. And I, I'd like to ask that you'd pray with me. Just watch what God will do 
uh, in our church. And I, I'm thankful for you that you have stepped up to the plate, really. Not only are you providing Christmas at your house, but you've opened your heart of generosity and reaching out to the missionaries and children around the world. Remember, our, our formula for success was to pray, to give more to Jesus than anybody else, to give by faith, and to be thankful. And I know that many people are doing that. I, I know and I'm hearing stories coming up all over the place where people are saying, you know what, I've, I've trusted God and God's given me this, and now I'm going to give this to God. So uh, we can continue to uh, open the opportunity to give. You can give through the next few weeks to this Christmas offering, our birthday gift to Jesus. Uh, one of the missionaries I'd like to highlight today is Pastor Francois from Haiti. Uh, he's the man in the suit. There is an older gentleman now. Uh, 30 years ago, I was able to go visit Francois. We were in high school. We took a group from here, from the church, down to Haiti. And I'll never forget uh, meeting him and being in his church and, and just seeing that here was this dilapidated building, and they charged him $100 a month rent. So we began to pay the rent as our church. We came back, and uh, people got together, and the church began to pay the rent. And it's been on our Christmas offering for 25 years, no doubt. Uh, the next picture here is a little bit of what the, what the scene is like in Haiti, Port-au-Prince, Haiti. You just see uh, all the, the poor housing, the crammed-in housing. And then uh, you see the map here where it's located. Uh, we're having an outreach. God has allowed us to reach into this country through Pastor Francois, through the other opportunities that we have on there. We're also feeding orphans in Haiti. Uh, God is using our church to touch people in Haiti for a very long time. Pastor Francois, the next picture is that I'm close of him. Uh, he's, he's aging. I saw on, a, on an online report on him that he's aging. His son was asking for prayers. His health is ailing as he grows older, but he's still faithfully serving the Lord. And uh, how exciting is that, that we get to sponsor a church? We're paying the rent on their church building. And every week they're opening up God's Word, and, uh, and people are coming to Christ down there. So what, a, what an awesome privilege it is for us to be on the giving end. So as we, as we look at that thermometer and we see that just continue to climb, we're, uh, we're at 58,000. We're just asking God to take us over the edge now, 75,000. And uh, we want to be able to send those checks out here in the next few weeks and just watch what God is going to do. And we'll be sure to, to give him the honor and the glory. Amen? What a great God we have. I, I'm amazed every year when I watch God provide that. It's like, wow, the fact that God would do that in our church, that God would allow us to set a goal and then he would meet it. And, and touch people's lives. I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by that. Uh, just one other announcement this morning, just a, kind of a family announcement here. Uh, one of our members went on to be with the Lord this week, Rich to Catch. Uh, many of you probably know Peg and Rich. They come on Saturday night. And uh, Peg and Rich um, have been very faithful in the church for, I think, 12 years, Rich told me when I was visiting him a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, Rich was a guy, he, he just loved the Lord. I was standing at his bedside, and his daughter told me how much that he loved the church. And she said all he could talk about was this small group. He was in a small group, and that's all he could talk about was this small group. And, uh, and I want you, the church family, to know that you've had an impact on the people in our church. And, uh, and he has also had an impact on us, Rich to Catch. He, uh, his viewing will be tomorrow at Jefferson Memorial from 3 to 8. And then uh, the funeral will be 11 o'clock on Tuesday at Jefferson Memorial over there on uh, Curry Hollow Road. So if you would just keep the Tkach family in your prayers and, uh, and, and, and uphold them, swing out there and pay them a visit, I'm sure they would appreciate that. Let's stand together as we receive our morning offering.
And as we give to the Lord this morning, what a privilege it is to give unto him that he has uh, provided so much for us. He's taken care of you. He's given you everything that you have. And as we give back to him, we're just, we're just coming back. We're saying, Lord, we're being faithful because you've been faithful. Amen? Amen. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Father God, we come before you and we, we thank you this morning, God. You have been so faithful. You are always there. You're constant. You are the rock. And we thank you for that, Lord. God, I thank you for the, for the people's lives that we're able to touch through this birthday gift to Jesus. That we've been able to invest in something bigger than us. Take our mind off of ourselves and, and, and be a part of your work globally. Um, God, I thank you for the, for the church in Haiti, for Pastor Francois, for Pastor Jacksine, and the, and the several efforts that we have sponsored in, in, uh, in, in Haiti as we are trying to help feed orphans and, and support churches, Lord. So local indigenous pastors, the Haitians that are reaching Haitians, Lord. Uh, God, I, I thank you for our community here. Thank you for our gifts and our, our givers, Lord, as, as we, we receive this offering on a weekly basis, Lord, and we, we give it to you, and it's out of the goodness that you have given to us. So we honor you and we bless your name this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please.
great found in the small. A full life of potential in a heartbeat. A massive tree in an acorn. Trillions of atoms in a speck of dust. So much said in a look. So much history in a scar. So much comfort in silence. The faith to move mountains in a seed. The greatest gift in pennies. A timeless sacrifice in a few breaths. The greatest of man in a servant. The universe is great in the small. Stars 1,000 times the size of Earth, just specks in the sky. Salvation in the simplest of prayers. The gift of eternity in an instant. Freedom from bondage in a choice. Fullness of life in the darkest of times. Power of resurrection in a word. The greatest significance in the smallest of steps. Can you see it? 
may we all come to see the great in the small. This morning as we start off our new year, 2016, first Sunday of the new year, uh, I'd like to start a series called Small Things, Big Difference. Uh, you know, sometimes when you're looking at your life and you, you're trying to make some changes, we get a little radical sometimes. We just want to change everything all at once. Have you ever noticed that? We're, we're ready to just go all out and we set some goals that may be unattainable. We set some goals that are really high and uh, then we get discouraged. And so today I'd like to take us to thinking about some small things that will make a big difference in your life. And I have found that out, that there are some small things. If we make some small changes, they absolutely make some big impact on our life. It's, uh, it's just, just the way it goes. I mean, when you go out and you try to do all these big things, many times they don't last. But when we take some small things and we implement just a small few things into our life and we make some changes, God begins to change us and we have a big difference in our life. <clears throat> I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the, the New Year's Eve. Um, you know, I, I was talking to some people around the church. It's funny. Some people didn't even stay awake for that, you know. It's, it's just amazing. I heard some people say, well, I slept right through it. I was talking to Vic. He said, Vic in the, in the sound booth back there. He said he stayed up till 11.45, and then he fell asleep. I'm like, how do you fall asleep at 11.45 on New Year's Eve? And he said he woke up at 20 after 12. I'm like, Vic, come on, all right? So, I, and then, then others of us were just a little crazy. We stay up all the night for that, and, and we love to watch all the activity. And you, you think all, all the excitement. And as we're watching the ball drop, you know, we're watching the, on, on, uh, on New York, the, uh, you know, the Dick Clark show or whatever there, and we're watching the ball come down. Um, I'm reminded that uh, somebody said while we were watching that, why do we do this? Why, you know, why do, why do we make this such a big deal at this time of, of the year? Isn't it just a, another day? Well, you know, it's, it's not like Christmas, that's for sure. And it, it is just another day. But it is another day that we tend to stop and reflect on our life. It's like a marker in the ground. You know, if I were to take a stake and I, and I put a stake and pounded a stake into the ground, uh, it, it's a peg in the ground and I can look back. So this time last year, I, I can look at the, at the stakes in the ground. I can look at the peg in the ground and say, wow, what a rough year it's been or what a good year it's been how far I've come or how far I need to go. And, and as you start to look off into the next year, you look off into the next year and you see the horizon about, and you say, all right, this is where I want to go. These are, these are the plans that I have. This is, I want to see some progress. I want to see some change happen in my life. And typically that's what happens. We want to see some change. And that's what people are thinking about this time of year. They're thinking about change. I, I'm ready to make some changes. I want to do some change. Uh, they say that I want to challenge uh, you know, whenever, uh, whenever you, you get a new job, there's a, there's a change. Uh, whenever you make some, some of these type of decisions in your life, there's changes. And so this morning, I want to remind you that, that change can be difficult, though. Um, when, when, we, when it's brought on by others, we resist change. Have you ever noticed that? You know, I, if, if you have a change, if you, you go out and you say, I want to buy a new car, you get pretty excited about buying that new car. But if it was a change brought about because somebody wrecked into your car and now you have to buy a new car, you're pretty upset about it. You, you see, there's, there's the change. Change can be difficult. Change quite often brings about pain. Think about that. Whenever we're making a change, you're, you're adding something new to your routine, uh, you're doing something different, there's pain in your life. Even when it's something good. The man who moves to, to a new town 
for, his, uh, for a new job. He's, uh, he's all excited about his new job. But in the, in the very same time, he has to say goodbye to his old job, to his old friends, to his old house, to his old way of life. So on one hand, there's something really good. But on the other hand, there's still pain associated with the change. And for that reason, many people avoid change. We avoid pain. So growth, however, requires change. Um, we can't be the same as we were a year ago. We, you, know, uh, you watch a child grow. A child starts out as an infant, grows, 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 and you know, eventually you have an adult on your hand. And, and we have to keep changing. We keep growing. We don't look the same as we did before. Um, you know, I want you to think about the, you know, people right now talking about organization. They want to clean their garage, their cluttered garage, their cluttered lifestyle. They want to organize. Uh, you go to Home Depot, you'll find every organizational basket on sale right now. It's just kind of crazy out there, right? But uh, if I want to go and I want to make a change to organize my garage, and if you see my garage, you'll know there's a need for change. And uh, you, you come and you look at that garage and you say, all right, there's a need for change. Now, it's an exciting change. You want to move forward. You want to see it clean. But there's pain to it. The pain of I have to take a whole day. I have to go through all this and throw most of it away. And, I, and I'm just going through all these different things that are going through your mind. And it is painful. Now, it, it, it's, it's, the results are great. The benefits are incredible. But the pain is there that I have got to go through the hard work to get to there. Uh, there's change. It requires change. There's, there's benefits. Small things. I want you to think about your spiritual life here. Small things in your spiritual life will reap big difference. It will make big benefit in your life. You will see a big difference in your life. Lifeway put out a survey. And uh, this survey was on resolutions. It says, what topics have you addressed within New Year's resolutions in the past? And the, the number one is health. 57% of people made a health, res, uh, uh, a health resolution. Another 52% said relationship with God. Now, among the top resolutions, people are seeking God. They have a desire. They want, they want to have a connection to God. And that's very interesting because I, I think a few years ago that may, may not have been the case. Uh, the economy is in an up-and-down, uncertain situation. We're dealing with terrorism at all fronts. We have an uncertain world all around us, and people are seeking God more than ever. And I think today it's good for us to think about our relationship with Christ. And as we chart a new course, what change, what areas of growth are we looking for in our life? Uh, if you have your Bible, head over to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> We're going to look at a biblical example of somebody who experienced change. Um, this man experienced a major change. Uh, his life was turned upside down, really, by the hand of God. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, says this, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the tree of Morah. 
and the Canaanites were then in the land. Verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Here we see a man who is radically changed. Uh, God told him, he says here, he says to him, he says, get out, of, uh, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now think about the pain that Abraham experiences here. Abraham experiences the pain. Number one, God tells him, you're going to get up and you're going to go. You're going to, you're going to leave your country. He has to leave everything that he knows. Everything that he has, everything that's familiar with him, he has to leave everything he knows. And, and it's very interesting to me, he says, to a land that I will show you. Uh, he hasn't even told him the land yet. He says, to the land that I will show you. I'm going to show you. In other words, when you get there, I'll tell you to stop. Abraham, pack up your things, take your family, follow me. And Abraham does. Abraham responds in obedience to the Lord, and it created a major change in his life. Abraham experienced a major change by the hand of God. It was the very hand of God that made this change in his life. That's the first point in your notes. He experienced a major change by the hand of God. Uh, he, left, he left his country to go live in a foreign land. He had the pain, the pain of uh, the fear of living in a different culture. Think about that. You think of these missionaries as they prepare and as they go off to another land uh, and, and how hard that is. I was thinking of Scott and Jenny Phillips that we support on our missionary list. They're in uh, Indonesia, out in the, uh, out in the jungle, and they, they're raising little toddlers, little children out there, and it, it's just incredible. Uh, they had that fear. Well, this is what Abraham has to deal with. He has the fear he's going to a place, and God didn't tell him where he's going. He says, to a place that I will show you. He had the pain of leaving all of his family, his relatives, uh, the, the, the longer extended family, his friends. Uh, he, la- he had to leave, leave behind for good. He had the risk of security to his home, security to his immediate family that he takes with him. Uh, he, but, but look at the blessings. Look at the blessings that God says here. He says, and I, verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you, and you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He says, I am going to make your, you a blessing. You're going to be a great nation. Now, Abraham's leaving, and as he's heading off, if you look in chapter 11, you'll find out that his wife was barren. His wife can't have children. And so God says, uh, Abraham, get up and go, and I'm not, I'm not going to tell you where you're going. Will you get there? I'll show you, and then, then you can stop. And furthermore, you're going to be a great nation. From you, all the descendants are going to be from a great nation. And Abraham, imagine what he's thinking. Okay, Lord, my wife's barren. We can't even have kids. Uh, now you want me to gather my bags? You want me to gather everything that we own? And you want me to go to another land? You want me to experience this whole new world? God blessed Abraham. As we look through this, God blessed him. But just think if Abraham would not. What if Abraham said, Lord, that's a little bit too hard. Lord, that's a little bit too much pain. Uh, God, I'm so comfortable here. But don't you understand, Lord? Look, my family, we're all here. We're protected. This, this is all wonderful. And you start to look at this home that he has. But what did Abraham do? He follows the Lord. And God not only, get, not only blesses him, he, he incredibly blesses him. We see it fulfilled today. We see the nation of Israel. 
still going after all these years of history. We see uh, how it actually came back in 1948 and still going. Uh, we see the, the Jewish people in every country in the world. They are everywhere. And just a mighty, mighty hand of God. And what did God say? Those who are against you, I will be against. That tells us something, huh? Who should we be friends with? We should be friends with Israel. Friends with the nation of Israel. That's what we're supposed to do. To love the people that God has called. And, and he says, that I will curse those who curse you. I will bless those who bless you. I, I'm excited that we support our missionaries, uh, the Bergs, out there making a difference. I, I just saw an article in the paper that uh, uh, it was in a Jewish paper of, of Pittsburgh here that, uh, that they had, that they were interviewed about the ambulance, that they're, they're going to go help. Why? They're motivated by these verses here. But it was all, there's a dynamic here. The dynamic is God told Abraham to do something, and Abraham said, yes, sir. Abraham said, I will obey, and I will follow you, and I will go, and I will endure the pain. I will endure the change, and I will do what you have said, because you're God, and I will trust you. Now, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, the apostle tells us here, he says, Understand then that those who believe are the children of Abraham. That comes right off that verse over in Genesis chapter 12. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, he, he says, listen, uh, the, the spiritual family started with Israel, and now it's open to all. We all can come to Christ. Jesus came through the nation of Israel. He paid the sacrifice that you might have eternal life. He came back to life again, and you have this opportunity to trust him. I remember that song when you were kids. I, I, I might be showing my age now. When we were kids, we used to sing a song downstairs. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had father. A all right, I won't, I won't do that to you, all right? But your right arm, left arm, right foot. And we just to do it. Why? Because it's that verse right there. That's where it comes from. God blessed Abraham. Abraham was obedient. God did something in a powerful way. What a blessing to be remembered in such a way. Now, in our life, if we're going to grow, if we're going to, we're going, we're going to make some spiritual difference in our life, it's going to require something new. It's going to require us to make a big difference. But we make big difference in our life by doing some small things. Small things will reap a big difference in your life. The power of habits. Uh, when we think about a habit, building a habit in our life, um, we want to develop some spiritual habits. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about that, developing spiritual habits. Those are the small things that are going to make big differences in our life, some spiritual habits. So let me give you a habit definition of a habit. This is in your notes here. Number two in your notes. Habits are actually actions that are ingrained and have become natural because of continued rep repetition. Uh, they, are, they are actions that have become ingrained because of natural, uh, they've become natural because of continued repetition. So the more we do a habit, the more we do something, the, the, more, the more it becomes a habit. You don't even think. It becomes an automatic response. Now, unfortunately, when we think of a habit, what do we think of? We think of our bad habits, don't we? We think of the things that we need to stop doing. You know, I, I have this habit, that habit, da, 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 okay? But there are good habits and there are bad habits. Uh, the, 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 I remember when I was in college, there were good habits and bad habits that I had in the area of study. I had, I had both good and bad study habits. Uh, my good habits were the classes that I enjoyed, I studied all the time. 
That was a good habit. I didn't wait, uh, you know, until the test to study. My bad habit was for the classes that I didn't like, I crammed the night before, okay? For example, math. Math was not my strong card. I should have studied more than that, right? I waited till the night before. I crammed it all. You know, that was the all, all night. You're drinking coffee all night long just to get through that final exam. The other ones, the classes that I enjoyed, I enjoyed English a lot. I enjoyed my Bible classes. I enjoyed those type of things. And as I'm studying all those, oh, I got in. I started reading their books. And I read the recommended books. You know, the ones that you don't have to read, but they're recommended. In those classes, I read the recommended books because it piqued my interest. But whenever I came to the hard things, I had a bad habit. So there are good habits and there are bad habits. And today, I want to encourage you that, that we have to develop habits intellectually, physically, and spiritually to be successful in all these areas of our life. However, in our spiritual life, we have to develop some spiritual habits that are going to help us. So your spiritual life is important. We need habits that are going to support your spiritual life. Uh, the next thought in your notes is that your spiritual life was meant to grow. You were meant to grow. That's why you know, God didn't just save us and say, okay, um, enjoy heaven when you're done with life. This will be a fun life. No, he says, I've saved you. You're my masterpiece. You're to do good works unto my name. Um, he loves you unconditionally, but he's given you a purpose. You have a purpose. You have a plan. And part of that plan is to grow. Um, just like you plant a seed, just like you watch grass grow, uh, you plant that little seed and it grows, it grows, and it grows. That's what spiritual things happen in our life. We plant a small seed, and God is the one who gives the increase. He is the one who does the growing. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church at Philippi here. He says, you know, basically, remember when I was there, we planted the church in Philippi? I brought you the good news. You were obedient to Christ. I commend you for that. And so obey like you did when I was there. And now that I'm not there, I'm not there to support you. Obey the Lord even more. Continue. Now, this is an interesting phrase here. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Um, Paul here, yeah, that word, it says continue to work out your salvation. He is not saying continue to work for your salvation. That's a very, very important distinction here. He doesn't say work out for your salvation. He says to work out your salvation. Um, working for, you cannot work for salvation. You cannot earn anything by being a good person. Uh, the more good works that you do does not help it. The, the, the Apostle Paul was real clear about that in his writings. Uh, we, we see it all over the New Testament that salvation is a free gift. Uh, all the good that you do will not get you a spot in heaven. But we are saved unto good works. We are saved to do good things. So he says here, continue to work. And what he's really saying here, he, uh, he, the phrase here, he's saying to put into action God's saving power in your life. Put into action God's saving power in your life. And as you think about this life that you're, you're trying to develop, you're trying to grow in Christ, continue to work out, out your salvation. Continue to put in action 
God's saving power in your life. He saved you from sin. He gave you a home in heaven. He, now, now, as you're dealing with temptations, you're dealing with all these things that you have to face, he says, continue to work. Continue to work out your salvation. Like somebody who goes to the gym, work out. Continue to work out. Exercise your faith. He's saying here to put your faith into action because look who does the work in you. It is God. God is the one who works in you. You see, if I come over here to this plant and, uh, and, I, and I just look at that plant and I say, grow, you know, I can come in and talk to it every day. Some people talk to their plants. Um, mine never talked back, so they all died. Uh, you know, you, you look at it. If all I did was come in and talk to this plant and say, you know, grow, you have to grow, you have to grow, it, it doesn't help. What do you have to do to make this plant healthy? You have to water it. You have to give it some light. There's, there's multiple things. You can't let, you know, I couldn't let that out on my porch as a nice Christmas decoration, could I? It would die. Why? Because it's not the environment for growth. Our ladies have done a fantastic job watering these. They've had a schedule. It, it's been incredible. I've, I've watched them. They, there's notes on the doors, water the flowers. I mean, they have, they've taken it serious. Normally, these are dead by now. I just want you to know that. Uh, our ladies have done fantastic. They've been in here for several weeks. And why? Because they have been watering them. They've been very particular, not to overwater, not to underwater. I come in, I see the lights on. They want, they want lights on them. They're, they're trying to take care of these. Which, by the way, if anybody wants to take a few of these home, they're looking for good homes. After the service today, feel free to have one. Take them and give them to somebody who, who, uh, who will love them, all right? But, um, but as, as they come and water, it's the environment. But even the fact that I put the water in it didn't make it grow. Growth is out of my control. And that's the same in our spiritual life. Habits, developing a spiritual habit, is going to help you grow. It's like providing water. It's going to give you the tools. But who does it say? Who does the work? It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So now this takes the burden off. It's not a bunch of rules. It's not a list. It's not some standard that I conform to. It's an environment for growth. I come to this environment... And then God produces this good work inside of me, inside of your heart. So the first habit that I want to give you today is this, is to have time in the presence of God. Have time in the presence of God. Uh, as, as we think of all that, all that God does for us, our spiritual life, it was meant to grow. Uh, our spiritual growth is a lifelong journey. You know, when you, when you were a child, you look like a child, you act like a child. I, I see on Facebook people put up their throwback pictures, you know. It's like, here I was whenever I was in high school. Here I was when I was in grade school. Um, you know, you look back and you see, your, see yourself and you say, I'm glad that I've changed. I'm glad that I've grown. I don't look like a five-year-old kid anymore. As a matter of fact, if a five-year-old kid stays looking like a five-year-old kid when he's 20, when he's 10, we call that a tragedy. So growth is necessary, and growth is a lifelong process. It is a lifelong journey. Uh, hang, have time with God. Hang out in His presence. That's what we want to do. I want you to hang out in the presence of God. Now look here in Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 3, we see here, Mark 14, verse 3, uh, we see a, a, a story of a lady who came, and she was hanging at the feet of Jesus. It says here, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leopard, as he sat at the table, a woman came having a flask of very costly oil. Uh, then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. 
But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. Uh, for a slave, uh, a slave, uh, 300 denarii would be, that'd be like having a whole year's salary. It was, it was really expensive. And, and, and they're saying, why, Mary, why would, you, why would you break that? Why would you open this? Why would you, why would you put that on him? We could have sold that and given the money to the poor. And look, it says, and they criticized her sharply. Verse 6, look at Jesus' response. Jesus says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. She poured out. She, what, did, what was she doing? She was hanging in his presence. She was giving everything that she had. She was with the master. And as she broke that and poured it out, everybody else was mad. She gave what she had. And Jesus says, listen, you will always have the poor. You'll always have the poor. Now, think with me about that. We'll always have the poor. Was he saying, don't worry about the poor? No, that wasn't his message. His message was, you can always be busy. You can always be busy. You can be running, taking care of the poor over and over and over. But this is more important, is to be with me. And as a matter of fact, if you want to help and you want to take care of the poor, you need to be with me first. Because I'm the one who's going to give you the energy. I'm going to take care of all that. And so he was talking about the importance of coming to his feet, of giving to him. It's all about him. We have to come to Christ. Being busy does not satisfy. Maybe jot that down in your notes if you're a note taker. Being busy just does not satisfy. Uh, we, we live a life, we're running, we're coming, we're going, we're coming, we're going. And you know what? It, it doesn't satisfy. It really leaves us more empty. The busier that we are, the, the more empty that we are. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 41 says this, And now it, now it happened as they went that, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Verse 39, And she had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, now you have two sisters here. Do, do you see the quarrel that's happened here? Now, that would never happen among sisters, right? Sisters always get along. These two sisters have come, and, uh, and Jesus is at the house, and they're preparing, and Martha's just working. She's slaving over the, over the meal. She wants everything to be perfect. Again, I don't know anybody like that, you know. Somebody's coming to your house. Who, who's frantic in your house like that, right? It's probably not dad, right? All right? Uh, come, mom's like that. You know, get this house ready. This place's got to be perfect. And it continued. When Jesus comes in, she continues, and she's working. She's slaving over the meal. And her sister, Mary, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's spending time with him. And what, what does Jesus reply? Verse 41. And Jesus answered her and says, Martha, Martha, you are worried. You're upset about many things. But uh, you're troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. 
Mary chose the good part. What was it? It was to sit at the feet of Jesus. Uh, is serving important? Yes, serving is extremely important. As we come into the church and we get involved and we serve, man, we need servants. We, we have got to make the children's ministry go, the teenage ministry, the parking lot. We have so many needs of serving. But there's something that is more important than serving, and that is sitting. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. This discipline, I want to encourage you to develop a, a, a habit Discipline yourself to make this habit of hanging out in the presence of God. To have time in His presence. Sit at His feet. Um, Better than busyness is a relationship with God. That's what we see in that passage. We see that, that Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, much more, much more exciting than all the busyness that Martha was doing. And Jesus said she had done the right thing. Uh, so many of us are tired. I, I, I don't know, maybe you're... Maybe you're like that. You go from one meeting to the next. You have an appointment after appointment after appointment. You're tired. It's like, it's like you're on, a, on the mouse wheel, you know? Now the mouse runs on that wheel, the little hamster, and, and the wheel's going. Maybe that's how you feel life is like. Uh, you're just running. You go from this appointment to the next appointment, and then when you get to that appointment, you're not even really there because you're thinking about the next appointment that you have to go to. And the truth is, really, we can't keep up. And really, we don't even want to keep up half the time. We're tired. We're tired of rushing. Here's what happens when we develop this, this discipline. When we develop a habit of hanging out with God, first of all, He fills your heart. He fills your heart. That, this is so important. Over in Ephesians 3.19, the Apostle Paul prayed this for the church at Ephesus. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God that you'll be filled. And the, the word there, filled, is, it's a, a continuous word. It means that you'll be filled and filled and filled and filled and filled. Why? Because we get filled and then what happens? We go out and we tend to get empty. We, we get filled and we tend to get empty. You have a, a meeting with God in the morning. You start a private, the, private time with God. And then by the time you get to 10 o'clock, you've met up with somebody that's taken some of your joy. You've met up with a, 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 somebody that's deflated your balloon for the day. You have to keep coming back to the presence of God. And at lunchtime, go back into His presence. Uh, on your drive home, go back into His presence. We have to keep coming into His presence. The other thing He does is He gives you direction. God gives you direction. Uh, Psalm 119, 104 and 105. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to, my, to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word.